Good morning. Um, today, I'm going to continue on. If you remember, right before Christmas, we talked about, uh, we started talking about the Trinity. We were going through tr- Trinity doctrine. And uh, because it was Christmas, we focused on Jesus and we focused on pre-human Jesus in the Old Testament. And uh, we talked about um, one of the arguments people will bring up with Christianity these days. They'll, they'll take on things like the Trinity and they'll say that the Trinity is an invention hundreds of years after Christ and um, kind of try to dismantle that idea. And then once they dismantle that idea, well, you know, you don't just serve one God. And then they try to bring in other stuff and they just, that's one of the things that, that we talk about now with postmodern apologetics. And so where, where I want to go with this today is I'm going to focus on the Holy Spirit and uh, what he was doing in the Old Testament and how it very much mirrors, it mirrors what he does today. Um, we see him more often today as he rests on all of us and he's inside all of us, the spirit of Jesus within. And... Uh, but he did a lot of the same things in the Old Testament, and he shows up a lot. And um, just kind of going through uh, that and kind of bring us into focus that, like, this, this book, the scriptures, this word of life that we read, it is consistent all the way through. And so last time we went over um, the common Trinity statements that Christianity holds to. We looked at passages in the beginning that shows where multiple persons are present. All, all three members were showing up together in the same verses. We saw passages where all three, and then we saw passages with two, and we just see how that, you know, the God had in different forms. Um, we talked about the criticism, which we just mentioned of the Trinity not being within the Old Testament, and we established the presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. We looked at different ways that he was showing up. Today, I want to finish our time in the Old Testament, looking at the different appearances of Holy Spirit. We will discuss Holy Spirit as a person. I would like to set up for teaching um, as we kind of, as we talk more about the Holy Spirit, I kind of want to end where we can go in and we can really start talking about the gifts of the Spirit and what that looks like these days. Um, So just starting off, we'll go right to the beginning, um, literally, and uh, he shows up right away. Um, In the Old Testament, in creation and in giving life. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now we can get deeper into that. Some people like to use the, the analogy that the waters are representing chaos. It's that dark primordial, the disorder. And Holy Spirit was above it all, keeping it in line. And that's kind of a theme that we think about today as we go further, too. Um, But right there, Genesis 1-2, the Spirit of God, and they are referencing the Holy Spirit. Um, Genesis 2-7, and then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. The breath, the wind, the spirit, that's how it translates he breathes that life-giving self into man. And uh, so we see right away that he's, he's, he's constricting chaos, he's, he's peace, and then he's bringing life, 
And uh, all this stuff should sound familiar because it's how we interact with him on a daily basis now. So from the very beginning, um, Psalm 104:29 just talks about their thoughts on this even thousands of years ago. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Just talking about that life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. So by the time that they write the Psalms, it's, it's, it's a well, it's a fact for them. Uh, in creation, we talked a little bit earlier there about subduing chaos and bringing peace. Um, Job follows these lines. This is, I get to bring in some weird stuff because I always like my weird stuff. But Job 26, 12, by his power, he stilled the sea, talking about God. And by his understanding, he shattered Rahab, Rahab, or Rahab. We'll talk about that in a sec. By his wind, and his wind comes, it's the same word where they use for his breath, his Holy Spirit. By his breath, the wind, the heavens were made fair, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Just a little side note on Rahab, or Rahab. Um, it was the name of a primeval serpent, uh, back in Jewish thought, and also identified with Leviathan in the Ugaritic. Um, it's also sometimes what they call the Egyptian sorcery that was used. So there's this evil connotation, this chaotic, dark, and uh, you know whether it was a real primeval serpent or not, um, it can also mean the proud one, but it's just, again, by his winds, the heavens were made fair, and his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Just that idea that the Holy Spirit is disrupting chaos and bringing peace. Um, again, later in Isaiah, it talks about the Holy Spirit, and he's bringing new life. Um, let me not go too far into this. This is a cool passage all in all, but just focusing on... For the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted, the hill and the watchtower will become dens forever... A joy, of, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field becomes a deemed forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. So again, the Holy Spirit poured out Him bringing life, as you go through, you also see it's an abundance of life, but also that he's bringing peace. So, again, he shows up and he calms things. The other thing he does in the Old Testament that we see, and I took some of the earliest things that I could pick um, as far as this goes, but in Genesis 6-3, which is the, the crazy Genesis 6 passage, um, they're talking about the sinfulness that abounds on the earth. It's, it's hyper-sin at this point, brought on by all the events of the sons of God and the, the daughters of men. Sin is rampant. It's about to be destroyed by the flood. And we see the Lord saying, My spirit, capitalize, my spirit shall not abide in or strive with man forever. For he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. So there the spirit is helping strive against the sin. So I have to believe that the Holy Spirit was there teaching, keeping people from engaging in the evil, but there was just so much that God was done. And that's when he limits things um, 
talks about the days of man, limiting the life. And uh, just as kind of an echo of this, jumping to the New Testament, John 16, 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, just to pause, this is Jesus saying this. So this isn't necessarily talking directly about Jesus, though with the Trinity it is. But it is, he is talking about the spirit of Jesus, the spirit that's coming, the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will convict the world regarding or concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and he will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So there is Jesus saying what's going to happen when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all. And again, you get that convicting of sin. Um, and then concerning the righteousness, and then eventually you get the judgment that's brought on. Um, but the Holy Spirit is there reminding people in the Old Testament, and there were, there's more, I just picked this one because it was the earliest one, but there's more where the Holy Spirit is provoking men unto righteousness to make good decisions. Um, he's also empowering individuals, and this is usually where people go when they think about Holy Spirit and what he's doing in the Old Testament. Um, they think about the passages where it says Holy Spirit entered into people. And they think about the empowering of people. And in these cases, it's usually, it's, it's like single, it's like a single person at a time type thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a prelude to when he's in all of us. And so, but in the Old Testament, this is how it was working. Um, when he was doing other things, he would also enter in and, and inhabit uh, Numbers twenty-seven, eighteen. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay your hand on him. So referencing that Joshua had Holy Spirit inside him. Uh, Judges three ten, and this is a guy named Othniel, who's not a very famous guy in the whole, whole span of things, but he does play his part in Judges, which is the, the book of Israel's train wreck. And Judges 3.10, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, Othniel, and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered uh, Cushan, Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan, Rishathaim. I don't know about the last one, Cush I can recognize, but, um, but again, comes in, God has a purpose for that person, Holy Spirit empowers uh, judges 634, and then we're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to spend some time in Judges because it seems like Judges, like I said, it's a train wreck. Israel's making a bunch of bad decisions. People are making a bunch of bad decisions. And Holy Spirit always shows up to save their skins at the right time. Uh, judges 634, but the Spirit of Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew his trumpet, and the Abizarites gathered behind him. So again, that supernatural empowering. In Gideon, Judges 13.25, and this is one that always amazes me because this is after Samson is, if you read Samson's story, he's, he's something. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him, Samson, at Manahah Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal. So the spirit comes in, is helping Samson with that, um, but evidently doesn't stick around with Samson. And if you read the story, you can understand why. And so finally, um, Samson 14.6 says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon mightily upon him again. 
He did amazing things. Um, and this happens more in Samson's life, but it doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to stick around with Samson. And I think that when you read Samson's story, I think you can make some arguments as to why. Um, but there is that empowerment at different times. And uh, I mean, it goes on. Then we get more famous. Uh, like it just, it's consistent. So here we have, uh, so it was that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, this is Saul, uh, back when he knight, or a king's knights kind of, he makes Saul the king. Uh, so it was when he turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. That's an interesting choice. That God gave him another heart. We're going to get to that later because that shows up more in the Old Testament for what Holy Spirit does. Um, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. And then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. So there's Saul, talks to Samuel, receives the empowerment of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is upon him. Then things go terribly wrong. Think Samson-type life. And uh, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled, troubled him. Um, so we have Saul operating in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, um, but then Saul making some decisions, and the Holy Spirit did not stay with Saul. Uh, then we get to Zechariah. Um, this is all the way through the prophets, this empowering uh, Zechariah 4, 6, and then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, not, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So again, Holy Spirit coming, empowering a cause, and empowering a person. One thing I want to stop with right here and talk about is sometimes this pops up in the church. Holy Spirit is not an energy force that we tap into to do amazing things. And sometimes people treat Holy Spirit like that. It's got some very big New Age connotations. Holy Spirit is a person. He dwells within us. Paul references him as the, the, the Spirit of Jesus. I think it's, we need to, if you find yourself at times, you got to catch yourself. Sometimes coming out of certain traditions, we treat Holy Spirit certain ways I'm just saying be careful. Um, it's not an energy force. Referring to it as an it. He is a person. There can be a misconception among current charismatics and Pentecostals and some other continuationists. Some can see Holy Spirit as an energy or force, something that just comes upon you like you're getting a download of energy. Um, I've heard him referred to as it. It, it depersonalizes his being. He is God. He is a person. He has a personality. He is the spirit of Jesus. Paul refers to him a couple times as the spirit of Jesus. He is the spirit. Again, the spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, spirit of God, spirit of Yahweh in the Old Testament. Again, that Trinity, it's all there. It's nothing made up 300 years later. Um, to try to wrap your head around it, it's a big thought. It's very mind-blowing. I don't completely get it. Um, just be careful not to refer to and label him and think of him as an energy force who does weird but cool stuff. And I think that sometimes people get so wrapped up into those manifestations and seeing these cool things happen that 
It's almost as if Holy Spirit is a performer. The Holy Spirit isn't God when they, put, when they think about Holy Spirit. And so that would be, that's my, that's, that's my worry when we see certain things manifesting and happening is that we can get, we can look at things and not see the heart of them. And so I want to respect Holy Spirit and recognize him as God. And I love his presence. But I need to love him, not the things that he does. That makes sense. I can like the things that he does. Is that making sense? He does good things, and it's okay to love good things. But love him as a person. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, When we talk about empowerment, and when people look at him empowering in the Old Testament, sometimes that's just what they think. It's like a, for people say, it's time for another upgrade. It's time for another spiritual upgrade. Holy Spirit's going to come into me, and then I'm going to get 10 times stronger. That type of thing. Though they don't say that, that's how they act. That's how they, they work out. A little vocab time. We'll get to this later when I do teachings on the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, when I refer to continuationist, that is someone who believes that the gifts of the Spirit are still around today. And that they are for the church. That is what a continuationist is. In opposition to that, you have a cessationist, who is someone who believes that the gifts of the Spirit stopped with the last apostles. You can get some people that find themselves like this could be a spectrum, but most people find themselves at the ends of these spectrums. I have met some people that have like some midpoints with like, oh, this isn't for today, but this is for today, this isn't for today, and it's kind of like a, a continuationist, cessationist a la carte. And I'm not sure, you know, what you'd call that. Um, There's probably a term for that. But just when I talk about continuationists and cessationists, this is what I'm talking about. Certain denominations usually find them on certain parts of the spectrum. So when we talk about Holy Spirit, or you're talking about Holy Spirit with friends that maybe go to another church, they may believe differently on this. Um, That's our vocab time. The Holy Spirit operates in the Old Testament as a teacher of good. We already talked about this a little bit. Psalm 143.10, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Nehemiah 9.20 says, you gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirst. So again, the Holy Spirit coming in, teacher of good, teaching you to do things, Fulfilling the missions of the kingdom by giving you ideas and what to do. In the case of David, and I believe this is what he was supposed to do with Saul, but Saul made it so that would not happen. uh, He actually helped David rule. It says, the spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. And here you see God's intention. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God, and he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear shining after rain. So the idea is Holy Spirit is helping David rule. That's what we want from our leaders. That's what we want from our authority figures. Um, And we see that in the Old Testament again. Also would enter Old Testament prophets. And then this is where we get a lot of our words for um, some charismatics and Pentecostals use too, as far as when they describe when Holy Spirit sets on something. 
And he said to me, Ezekiel 2, and he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. And then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me, and he set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. And he said, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that was rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day, for they are impudent, impudent and stubborn children. I, will, I am sending you for them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. So that authority comes through the speaking of what Holy Spirit is saying inside the prophet. Happens in other prophets throughout the Old Testament. I don't need to go through all of them. Um, the other thing the Spirit was doing, um, he was helping people to have an understanding of the coming Messiah. And so as he's, as he's speaking through Isaiah, um, prophecy about the Messiah is coming through. Um, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his root shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So the idea um, is that the Holy Spirit was helping to prepare a way, was helping to get that into the minds of Israel of, what, of who's to come. Um, also through Isaiah, helping to identify features of the Messiah, what they were going to look for when Jesus showed up. Uh, Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And it goes further talking about Jesus' ministry when the spirit comes upon him. Um, so again, Holy Spirit was there preparing, identifying the Messiah um, and that prophetic role. Also, um, they believe that the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was inspiring Scripture. Um, we believe that still. All Scripture is breathed out by God. And again, if you look into the language of the breathed out by God, we see that it's the same language for Holy Spirit. Um, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the Holy Spirit is busy in the Old Testament. He's doing a lot of things. Um, he's part of the, I mean, the Trinity is always doing something. And we can see he's busy. He's doing things. Um, the other thing that's fun about the Old Testament, and we won't get, we got a little bit of time here. It, it starts to, these prophets are starting to prophesy things through Holy Spirit about when the Holy Spirit gets poured out and how things are going to look in the New Covenant. So again, redirecting their eyes to what's to come and uh, so that when, when he comes, people know what to look for if they're reading their scriptures. Ezekiel thirty six twenty two. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name. And this is prophetic. He is giving a prophetic utterance here which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. So what he's saying right there is, I'm about to act. I'm about to do, I'm about to enact my plan, to fulfill my plan um, for my sake, my holy name. You guys have been exiled. You've been spread out into the nations. You've been adopting their gods. You're profaning me among the nations. Um, so he's about to act, and I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you 
I will vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart. So there again is that new heart thing. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So again, this prophecy that he's going to pour out his spirit in all of them was a fairly foreign concept of a large group of people all having the Holy Spirit poured into them. Um, and more prophets talk about this. In the same regards, this, this thing that's coming. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Talking about the law. So it's not going to be like the law. My covenant that they broke. They broke that law many times. They paid the price for breaking that covenant. Though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write in their hearts. There's that new hearts thing again, putting something inside us. Um, it's, it's, when he says he'll put his law within you, well, we'll read a little bit. But what does this look like? And I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother say, know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So he's talking about when Jesus is here. Jesus takes care of sin. No one else is going to take care of sin. But when he puts something in us, that law, what he's, it's that the Holy Spirit in you telling you what's wrong, what's right. Don't have to go look. The first five books, you don't need to focus in Leviticus and Numbers and figure out what's good. He's going to put within us Holy Spirit who will teach us that, that new heart again. Um, and then the most famous one that prophesies for the Holy Spirit coming in a major way is Joel 2, which is what, what Peter quotes. Or I'm sorry, yeah, what Peter quotes in Acts 2. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old, man shall, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So he's just, Joel is just echoing the other prophets and the fact that this is coming. Um, we can expect it. We see it all over the Old Testament in the major and minor prophets. This is, this is an event that's happening. Holy Spirit on all of us. So all of that put in reference for a takeaway to kind of finish the Trinity talk here. All members of the Trinity are seen within the Old Testament. They are identified as God. The idea that it is a theological creation from later is false. It was there the whole time. And if you start getting into even the Hebrew and Aramaic, you see there's this plurality in some of these instances when they're talking about Yahweh. But that's, don't even have to do that. We can see it without that. Um, much like Jesus, Holy Spirit is active and seen throughout the Old Testament. He does things consistent to what he does with what he does in the New Testament. Like when you first meet Holy Spirit, there's a lot of talk about peace. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
They just echo that in the New Testament. Nothing new. The idea that Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to take care of the chaos and the disorder. And that's why it's important to be very, very conscious of Holy Spirit and to talk with Holy Spirit and ask Holy Spirit for that peace. He's been doing it for thousands and thousands and thousands and however long he's been bringing peace. It's what he does. Um, he does things consistent with what he does in the New Testament. Again, so we talked about peace. We saw in the Old Testament, he's bringing correction. The Holy Spirit in you should bring correction. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit corrects me personally of things. When I'm doing things or when I'm thinking about things, I get that check. I know. I know. Sometimes it's not even bad things. Sometimes I'm just thinking about doing something that maybe is neutral. And I just get that, nah, no, we're not doing that. And so I drop it. Sometimes I don't drop it. But most of the time I drop it. And uh, it's the same thing as the Old Testament. He's bringing correction. So again, nothing new concerning that. It was prophesied that he was going to play the role that he currently plays. Holy Spirit being poured out on us at Pentecost in Acts 2 was prophesied numerous times in the Old Testament. It happened. Holy Spirit still dwells with us, dwells in us, and still does things. Um, enough so that the disciples in the early church had no problem connecting dots to the scriptures. You don't see a lot of direct correlations where they're having to teach people this, 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 and this. The only time that we see them make correct, like direct correlations between the Old and New Testament is we get Peter and Acts 2, because all the men from Judea, which is actually what the Joel, the, the Joel 2 is about, it talks about addressing the men of Judea and the rest, and he says it, and the people are like, well, these guys are drunk. You know, they're just being crazy. And Peter's like, uh-uh, they're not drunk. Remember when Joel said, and that's when he makes the direct correlation. Beyond that, Paul references things as if you just know them. So it's, that's, that's part of my argument, is that they're living and just knowing this stuff because some of these people were expecting this. Uh, nowadays, the Holy Spirit is active in all believers, not in just a few. He empowers us to do the work of his kingdom. Um, he empowered humans before, and now he empowers all humans that believe to work for the kingdom and do the kingdom's goals. Um, so hopefully you can see that in the Old Testament, we have a lot of Jesus. In the Old Testament, we have a lot of Holy Spirit in addition to all the references that we see with Yahweh. And that, that all three persons were there and that they're titled God and that the Jews still believe that they only worshiped one God, even though they seem to, there seems to be two Yahwehs. There seems to be the spirit of God. Um, the concepts are there, whether they titled it Trinity, which they probably didn't because that's not a Hebrew word. Um, it was all there. And uh, that, would be, that would be my synopsis to say, no, no, this is all the way through. The Bible is consistent. Um, going from here, in the future, I'd like to talk about what he does now in the gifts of the Spirit and the empowerment and the skills that he gives us. And that'll be another Sunday. So hopefully now you feel like you can see all of this in the Old Testament. So let's pray.
Holy Spirit, we thank you also for being the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We thank you that you have always co-labored with man and that your desire is to be within us and to work with us. We love you, Holy Spirit. We value you. We don't want to take what you do lightly. We want to give you proper reverence and respect. We see you as a person, and we love you. I just ask that you would make yourself known to us throughout this week more and more and more in all the different ways that we talked about today and in the ways that you, that you gift us that we didn't talk about today. Holy Spirit, we would like more of you. So Holy Spirit, just come. We want to know you more. We love you. We thank you, Jesus, for sending your spirit. We thank you, Father, for sending him. We love you and thank you. In your name we pray, Jesus, for all these things. Amen.